Welcome to Voice of Reason with Nathan. This is the Would You Believe It series with Andrew Sharp. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at before and after grace. Welcome, Andrew. Uh, it's good to be with you on a, a vitally important uh, subject. I know it's personal to you and it's become personal and real to me as well. So we're in for a good half hour or so. Absolutely. I actually, uh, I was reflecting on this topic and part of why um, we're talking about it today is, you know, a lot of the time in, in Christian um, or in Christianity and Christian testimonies, uh, we talk about people's lives before becoming a Christian and receiving Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And I also had this experience where, of course, I was going one direction uh, pre-Christ in my life and then I received Jesus. And um, what happened after that, though, was really interesting. I think it's something we don't really talk about in church very often is after we've received Christ, then what? And what I found was I had this incredible experience and a transformation in my heart, which was fantastic. Uh, but over a few months and years, as I continued on that journey of my relationship with God, I started to uh, to kind of lose that, I guess, that grace and that first love that I encountered with the Lord and um, started to slip into a bit more of a, a law-based mentality, a bit of a performance mentality um, and becoming quite, uh, quite religious and friends and family would uh, be able to uh, corroborate that indeed. So I think... I, <laughs> Part of why I wanted to talk about this was, um, and why this is so personal to me, is that I came to a point where I remember having this revelation of grace and, and it really transformed my relationship with God, even after having been a Christian for a number of years. And uh, it's such, a, such an important topic, as you mentioned, Andrew, and, and something that I think is going to really help a lot of people to, um, our listeners, to really have a deeper relationship with the Lord and be able to make him know. And so, Andrew, do you want to just define what is grace? This is how I define grace. And I think it's important to give it a definition because it's one of those religious words that often people don't know what it means. And, you know, in the secular world, it, it's got its own meaning about poise and the way you move, but it's got nothing to do with that. It, I, I define grace in terms of God's unconditional love and favor towards us. I think the Amplified Bible puts it like that, but it's really underlining that word unconditional. His love for us is truly unconditional. You know, before we were Christians, uh, we got to that point when we realized that we weren't good enough and however hard we tried, we could never be good enough and that we needed a savior. And so we confessed our sins and invited Jesus into our lives. But then somehow we, we got confused, either through the teaching or perhaps the filter that we were applying and thinking that now that we were a Christian, we had to try even harder in order to please God. And uh, nobody had actually explained to us that nothing we could do could make him love us more and nothing we had done or could ever do could make him shut the door on us. I, I love those lines from that Hillsong. Uh, it really sums up grace for, for me. Nothing we could do could make him love us more. He's shown us the full extent of his love on, by his death on, on the cross. There's nothing more he could do to show us how much he loves us. And then after the resurrection and the ascension, 
he fills us with his love and, and his acceptance so that we can say we are accepted in, in him. And for a long, long time, even as a, a minister and a preacher, uh, I, I was under the impression that God had given me the Holy Spirit so that I could try harder to please him and perhaps he would bless me. And totally wrong in that conception. And that just put a, a burden on me. And I guess many ministers feel that same burden, that they feel it's all up to them. Yes, they can draw on the Holy Spirit's strength, but they still got to struggle and strive uh, to, to see it through. Uh, Jasmine reminded me that of, uh, of a verse where Paul says, let me, let me find it, it's it, 1 Corinthians 15.10, where Paul talks about laboring more than any other, but then he stops and says, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. And that changes everything. That just means that we let go and let God. We get out of the way and let him flow through us and do what he wants to in us and to bless other people. So grace is so amazing. And we'll, we'll dig deeper into this, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I love what you're talking about there. Words like acceptance, love, goodness, and that realization that God is actually pleased with me. And he actually, you know, it's not just, I think a lot of the time we use words like, you know, love and, and, you know, acceptance and things. We use it in a quite generic way and it loses its, um, its potency, I think, in the English language. Uh, but that, that phrase, God is pleased with me, that, that really, I remember hearing that and kind of rejecting it initially um, or, or even interpreting it. Yeah, God is pleased with me when I dot, 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 and I put on something to that. I attach something to it. And um, like I mentioned at the beginning is that this, this kind of journey that I went through in, um, you know, starting to really try to um, be good enough again, as if I can now um you know work for my salvation and, and try to make up for all my sins that i had committed and all this guilt and shame that started to come in from what i had been saved from and uh, and yeah just that realization that like you said andrew that there's nothing i can do that will make god love me more <laughs> can you can you recall that moment when um this this revelation of grace really clicked for you yeah, I, I, it, I don't know that it's a moment. It's more like one of those sort of waves coming into the shore again. That it was a process of, of suddenly or, or being exposed to the Bible's teaching and seeing what actually Jesus says and what Paul says. And, it, and it's not what we think, you know, with our, our religious mind, with our folk religion, we're still inclined to think that if we do good, God blesses us. If we do bad, he'll curse us. But when you actually look into the scriptures, into the New Testament, you don't see that that is Jesus's way of dealing with people. Uh, when, you know, when anybody wanted healing, he didn't ask them, have you been a good boy? You know, what, what about that woman? And where have you been today? And what have you been looking at? It's none of that. He knows that, but he decides to, to love us. That's the very reason he came, to, uh, 
to, to love us and to show us the full extent of his love by dying on the cross for us. So, you know, but not just a forgiveness now, turn a new leaf and, and try harder to get it right the next time round. But no, I, I, you're accepted. A key verse, I think, for me is, as you have received Christ, so now walk in him. As you received him. So how did I receive him? Because he'd already provided grace and forgiveness by dying on the cross. So now walk in that grace and forgiveness. You know, don't feel that it's up to you to perform in order for him to bless you. He's blessed you already. <laughs> we are blessed with every spiritual blessing already. Um, so as these verses began to percolate, though the penny begin to drop and to see that it, it's not up to me, uh, but it's of what he has done for me already. And so therefore I, I can relax in what he has done for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I had a similar experience where I remember there was there were defining moments or milestones in my journey. And look, to be honest, it's something I, I think I'm still I'm still growing in and, and still getting a deeper revelation of, you know. Um, I, I think, you know, in any relationship as as we develop and grow, it becomes more enriched and, and developed uh, and, and that, that continues to, to grow. Um, but yeah, certainly I had a similar experience. I, I like that analogy of the waves. Um, and for me, I went to Caris Bible College and uh, just studying the Bible, just reading through it, um, you know, just in that, in that first year of Bible College and, and really just getting a, a, a realization of God's goodness throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New. And then obviously in the culmination of what Jesus did on the cross for us, um, and I remember hearing teachers like Arthur Menches, of course, Andrew Womack and uh, Barry Bennett and Greg Moore, all these fantastic teachers um, and just getting a, a, such a, I guess, inundated with, with, you know, such a different mindset and mentality from the, the more traditional religious mindset that I've been brought up with, which I think also is something that perhaps we can touch on in, in terms of the traditional mindset. but. Um, uh, and this all this all kind of culminated in um, reading Galatians, and I just read through Galatians, just a short book in in the Bible. Um, and uh, as I was reading through Galatians, it was just such a a realization of of God's grace and and goodness toward me that I was just I remember this moment. I just it just clicked. It was like that light bulb moment, and I went and spoke to one of my friends who was um who was around at the time, and I said to him, I said, oh. Guess what? I, I get it. I get this. I get this revelation. I, God loves me, and, and I, I'm actually, you know, I, I get His grace for me. And it was that, that cliche acronym of Christ, uh, God's riches at Christ's expense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, incredible. Um, what what would you say that I guess some of the, um, the I guess the traditional model of of kind of um, you know of, of Christianity and, and how maybe grace is, is filtered through a, a different lens, perhaps? Uh, what, would you, what would you say about that, Andrew? Yes, I think it, it often is. Uh, and, and certainly as I heard it and as I preached it, it was sort of filtered through a legalistic mindset and, and still on this basis of you must do this, you ought to do that. And uh, God will bless you if you do more. 
And so uh, as a minister, you know, that translated into, well, um, your church isn't growing because it's your fault. You're, you're not good enough. You, you, you've not prayed enough. You've not read the Bible enough. You, you hardly ever fast, if at all. And therefore, that's why your church isn't growing. And you can see how condemning and um, frightening is the word that comes to mind, uh, an impression of God that, that gives. And you, you realize, you come to a point of realizing that, that that's not what it's like at all. But it certainly has its impact. And uh, I, I, in, in the UK, some of that comes from sort of our Victorian heritage when everything was very uh, religious in that negative sense of being legalistic. And uh, even though we've moved a long way from that Victorian era, even within churchgoers who want to be conscientious, obviously, and rightly, and want to be holy, rightly um but it, it turns into a legalism where this is something that i've got to do uh, in in order to be holy whereas it's really what he has done on the cross and the new identity that we have in him that makes us holy and righteous and, and pleasing to him but that is a word that sort of where the rubber hits the road isn't it that, that's what we mean by being holy and righteous. You know, for a long time, I would have read, and, and this is a filter that I, I, I'd read, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I would read that and hear that as, you know, let God be number one in your life, which is true. But the force that I heard it with wasn't helpful because it sounded as though God was a tyrant. And then the second bit, and seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, I've got to be good enough. I, I've got to be righteous, okay? Without realizing that actually righteousness is a gift. So when Jesus says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's talking about seeking his gift of righteousness. And, and Paul picks this up, doesn't he, in Romans, and he talks about, how much more shall they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? So we reign in life by receiving, acknowledging the abundance of grace that God has got for us. And then his gift of righteousness. It's nothing that we've earned. It's a gift of righteousness whereby we are holy and pleasing in his sight. It's an amazing thing. And that brings a complete a turnaround in a paradigm shift and a complete turnaround in our, our way of thinking and, and preaching and for me, leading a church as well. Somebody once said that they found my preaching intimidating and I, I was surprised by that because I didn't think that I was an intimidating preacher. But no, they, not <laughs> well, that was perhaps back then. And they, they were picking up perhaps something of this legalism that was still part of my mentality and impacting the, the way that I preach. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And I think I, I realized that as well, like even, um, you know, when, when I started 
going more into that legalistic performance mentality. Um, even though my behaviours were were really good on the outward, on outwardly, um, there was a, a definitely an internal disconnect that I experienced with that. So I might be witnessing to you know all these people everywhere and doing all the Christian things that you know we we kind of you know idolise in a sense all the behaviours. Um, but internally, I, I I started to become quite resentful and bitter and. Um, it, and, and you mentioned there about behavior. It's, it's, you know, you can be doing all the right things, but if your heart, and honestly, like I think, I don't think, I know that God is really looking at our heart and, 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 and that's not a condemning thing either, is that he, he actually cares more about us than anything we can do for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that really set me free from, um, from this performance mentality and, even from certain behaviors and habits and, and certain things that I was caught up in, even as a Christian. And the less I received grace, the more I struggled with those issues. And it was funny because, um, you know, I, I would strive so hard to, uh, to, to be, you know, do all these behaviors, be the best Christian that I could be. And then I had this revelation of grace and I stopped trying. <laughs> and it was almost like just this, sense of peace and this relaxation that came on me and i hadn't experienced that for a long time and uh, it was just such a freedom in that and a lot of the issues that i i had previous to that suddenly just dropped away and i didn't have to strive and try so hard and it was it was really it really is a gift it really is and um that's the thing yeah it's something i just wanted to touch on and, and we'll talk about this now is kind of these, these negative or faulty beliefs that we can have with a, a lack of understanding of God's grace and how that can drive unhelpful behaviors, even, um, even you know, what we'd say are Christian behaviors. Um, and there's this tinge of, uh, I certainly experience this, of even blaming God, say, hey, you mentioned there about my church isn't growing, I've fasted, I've prayed, I've done all these things, or I haven't done it enough. And we kind of blame God for these for these things, and I think that would indeed would be one of those faulty beliefs that we think like it, it's almost the opposite of what we think. By by receiving grace, you actually do less sin. You, you you know you're set free from it in the first place, but you you know you do less of those things that you might think that you're going to do more of. Uh, what what would you say, Andrew? Are some of those faulty beliefs and just touching on that? Yeah, I think uh, something else that sort of comes out of a concept of God being a tyrant would be a fear of him. And as, as we know, fear is uh, immobilizing. Um, you're frightened of, of getting things wrong and therefore you won't do anything. You, you remember in the parable of the talents, the, the guy who received the, the smaller bag of gold, but it was still a bag of gold that he received. He, he said, I knew you was a hard man and therefore I hid the talent. You see, he had a misconception of, of, of the master, and and that forced him to do nothing. Uh, whereas, if <laughs> so, I, I I think I think that that's very telling. That's very telling. And if we have that misperception of God and, and think that he's a tyrant, a hard man standing over us, we'll be frightened of launching out into new avenues that we believe he's calling to, in, in case we get it wrong. Mm. I know many ministers who, who do that. They'll sit on things for years uh, because they're frightened of getting it wrong. 
Absolutely. And I think that touches on, um, I use this framework when I'm working with clients as a psychologist, spirit, soul, body. And having a revelation of who God is really helps us understand who we are in him. And then from that, you can actually see other people in the world around you in a, in a filtered way through the way that God is and, and ourselves and then others. Um, and I definitely, I've, I've experienced and I've seen that happen with, with people I've worked with and just seeing when they, they click onto this revelation of grace or maybe, uh, maybe they already had that, but just kind of being reminded of that and, and seeing that again, it's like, oh, that's right. And they start treating their wives better. They start treating their children with more grace and love and a wisdom and a clarity comes into that because fear is removed and we're not in this fight flight response, this survival mode almost. And we're in this place of freedom and, and you know, more relaxed. So the brain is functioning in a, on a higher level and I won't get too technical into it, but the frontal cortex isn't being starved of oxygen and blood. And that's the reasoning centers of the mind. So, um, this again, this it, it plays into the whole, you know, neuroscience and the psychology of things as well. And um, we know this, you know, in, in you know from from research and, and science in terms of um, relationships that are dysfunctional and how that fear and and you know violence and all those sorts of things that play into that, um, you know, really shut down people's ability to connect on a deeper level. Um, how, how did it kind of play out in your life and ministry, this, this revelation of grace? I know you've, you've touched on that already, um, but more, I guess, from this, this perspective of the revelation of grace and then knowing your identity in that. Like, uh, how did that play out, do you think, when you had that? What, what started to change and how did your sermons change and things like that? Well, yes, I mean, there, there is the, the word few is <laughs> what, what a relief to know that God has already done it. And I haven't got to prove myself to him or indeed to anybody else. I'm thinking that Paul didn't even judge him himself because he knew himself accepted in the beloved. He knew that he was pleasing uh, to him. So, yeah, I mean, there is that sort of meditating on this truth that I am righteous. And there will be some days when it, it, it's hard to believe that we're counted as righteous, that, you know, because of what we've said or thought or done, it is still, the guilt can still nag at us. Um, but then that's where we, this is where we need a little bit of discipline and to focus on what God is saying about us. We're accepted in, in, in the beloved. And that doesn't change as we started, said from the outset. Nothing we can do can make us love him more. Nothing we can have done will make him shut the door. Um, and so that, that begins to change your a whole approach to, to life and taking away the fear of, of failure, taking away the fear of rejection because of knowing that one is accepted in the beloved. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And I think, I know for me, I found it really hard to receive grace, uh, like that revelation of grace, um, as if, you know, God is actually pleased with me just for being me. Like it's, why do you think people struggle so much with that? Because in every other area of life, we do work on a performance mentality. When we're at school, the teacher's pleased with you if you passed or no, if you get 10 out of 10. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at work, we, often our pay is performance related. And, and 
often in, in relationships. Uh, as long as you're getting along with each other and don't say the wrong words or do the wrong thing, you can be friends, but say the wrong thing, whoa, not speaking to that one anymore. And so everywhere we go in, in society, and one has to say, even in churches, you know, our acceptance does seem, seem to be dependent on our good behavior. Uh, whereas Jesus is saying, no, you are accepted in, in the beloved. You're accepted in the beloved. So I think that's why it's hard for people to, to grasp this idea and why really the need is for us just to keep our focus on the Lord, on his word, see what he's saying to us. We can help that process, I think, by uh, getting hold of, of good teaching, as you mentioned earlier on, Andrew Womack, Joseph Prince, Barry Bennett, who have got this understanding and regularly preach this understanding. Of course, check everything they say with the word of God. You know, I, I'm a, with, with the team at Caris Bible College in, in Dumfries in Scotland, but we always tell people, don't take our word for it, check it out, see what the word says. And I've got to say a, a danger is that uh, often as preachers, we, we take verses out of context or we, we preach on just one bit. Well, I'm seeing the value of preaching Paul's letters from beginning to end so that you see the whole flow of his thoughts. For instance, if you were to dip into the middle of the book of Ephesians, you could well get the idea that Paul was saying, you behave or else. But you've missed chapter one where he's saying, you're blessed, you're chosen, you're blameless, you're accepted. You're loved. You're seated at the right hand of the heavenlies. This is our position in Christ. This is our new identity in him. And as you were rightly saying earlier on, once we grasp our new identity, our behavior flows out of that. And so um, there was a, a popular book by Watchman Nee that was a commentary on the book of Ephesians. And it was called Sit, Walk, Stand. So he was, he was making this point, know your position in Christ. You're seated there at God's right hand in, in Christ. Then you can live it out in, in, in freedom. It will happen automatically, uh, more so than it ever did by us trying to do it in the arm of the flesh, in our own strength, trying to work out God's uh, plan. And then the, 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 the stand against the devil when he tries to undermine us and reminding that we are seated there at God's right hand and he is under our feet. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I love that. Yeah. So you go. Well, I'm just underlining that the idea of actually following through the logic of, of Paul's thinking and not taking things out of context, but seeing the full flow of, of his thinking and the order in which he, he puts things. Sit, walk, stand. Sit, walk, stand, absolutely. And um, I mean, I just remember spinning the wheels so much with, uh, you know, trying to, I guess, walk before I stood um, and then losing that, you know, my, my positioning in Christ. And again, it's that, that realization that what you believe is, is essential to how you behave. 
Um, and I use this phrase of, you know, behavior is an echo of your belief systems. And so if you have a healthy belief system, if you have a healthy, and belief is just, I define it as accepting something to be true. So if you accept to be true, you know, God's grace and his goodness and his love, your behavior will, will flow out of that place of acceptance rather than a place of, I'm trying to be accepted by doing this. And I always relate it back to, um, you know, back to marriage. And, you know, I can't imagine living a, a, a life where with my wife, if I was always constantly trying to, you know, please her in the sense of, I don't, you know, I hope she accepts me because I'm doing this. And if I don't, then well, a marriage is, I'm going to be on the rocks, you know. And of course, you know, I, I, I do want to be the best husband that I can be, but it comes from a place of love and, and knowing that she loves me and accepts me and I love her and accept her. And, and you know, that, that is what really drives a healthy and functional relationship. Um, are there, I guess, any tips or things that you could suggest for people that are listening to this and going, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with this and maybe they are in that place of not um, having a, a, such a, a kind of revelation of grace that we're talking about what would you recommend or suggest for them? How can they apply what we're talking about? Yeah, well, I think uh, reading Ephesians chapter 1 is a good place. And that prayer that comes at the end of Ephesians chapter 1, where uh, Paul is saying, I pray that you'll have a revelation of these truths. In other words, that the penny will drop, the light will come on. But as you read Ephesians chapter 1, it's just one endless hymn of praise for all the good things that Jesus has done for every one of us. Uh, you know, every spiritual blessing has been given to us, accepted in the beloved, you know, loved, blameless, innocent, uh, destined to be like Jesus. I mean, it is absolutely wonderful. And these are things that Jesus has done for us. So meditate in Ephesians chapter one, allow the, the penny to drop, go over and over it. Don't just read it and think, well, yeah, that was interesting. But let the, the truth of those words impact your, your heart and you realize everything that you have in the spirit already, in your spirit already by the Holy Spirit. Then, I mean, yeah, as we've already said, get some good teaching and uh, listen to that, imbibe that, let that impact you as well. And then at the end of the day, take it on God's word, believe it. This, this is true. And some of the things are, are quite shocking. I remember, and you will have heard that Nathan, Andrew Womack say that when he first realized that God counted him as righteous, he, he said, this cannot be. And he decided to look in a mirror and say, you are righteous. <laughs> you are righteous. And he said, at first, all the hairs on the back of his neck would stand on edge because he'd be frightened that God would condemn him for blasphemy or something. And uh, and yet he was proclaiming the word of God. He was speaking it to himself. Uh, we believe, therefore we speak. Faith comes through hearing. So as we speak out God's word, we hear it. And it uh, builds our faith in the truth of, of what God has done for us. Yeah, I'm reminded of that scripture. Faith comes by hearing. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, and Again, that absolutely what you're saying is, is what I experienced and, and continue to walk in as well, you know, that, that reminding us ourselves to hear the word of God because that's where faith comes. And um, 
hearing the truth of the gospel, not, you know, this legalistic performance mentality and, and you have to do this, you have to do that. Um, and that just drives, again, uh, us into this, this kind of tyrant um, perspective of God and, um, you know, even blaming God for natural disasters as, you know, our legal system say an act of God. If it's a, a terrible um, traumatic event that occurs, um, and even in today's culture and climate with what's happening globally, blaming God for um, pandemics and everything else that goes on, um, it's, it's just, it's so not the nature of God, you know, and it's really sad to see that um, where people do attribute these these things to God when actually we see, as you mentioned, Andrew, that the true nature is, is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And um, in Hebrews chapter one, it says that he, that Jesus was the express image of, of God the Father. And, and so when we look at Christ, we see who God really is and, and his true nature in that. Um, so I guess just, just finishing up in a summary, I suppose, of, uh, of, of this topic, before and after grace, knowing God's acceptance, love, goodness, that God is pleased with us. Um, any final thoughts, Andrew, before we finish up? Well, I'm just thinking about the prodigal son. I mean, he, he was wayward. He'd gone off the tracks. He, he, he'd sort of offended his father big time, offended the family and the community. And uh, he comes to the end of himself. And he says, I know what, I'll go and be a slave. I'll ask my father if I can be a slave in his household. We used to reenact this when I used to do school assemblies and we'd have a father and a son and the son returning to the father. And the son sort of comes with his prepared speech, father, I, I've sinned against you. And I asked, and I said, right, freeze the action. And I asked the, the, the pupils there, the students in the school, what do you think is going to happen next? And because they, they don't know the parable of the prodigal son like we do. And it is very revealing what they say. They say the father's going to tell him off. He's going to send him away. He's not going to accept him. He's going to hit him around the face. These were genuine answers I had from children who were being serious about what was going to happen next. And so they were absolutely amazed when the father wraps his arms around the son, kisses him on the, on the neck and gives him new shoes and a robe and kills the fatted calf. And he's saying, you're not going to be a slave in my family. You're going to be a son in my family. And that's the, the dramatic point that, that, that Jesus is making. Which is so familiar to Christians, but just see Jesus wrapping his arms around you. See God the Father embracing you and giving you a feast of, of, of love. And enjoy that feast. Don't feel that you've got to go out and do the washing up. <laughs> enjoy the feast that he's prepared for you. Amen. And amen. I think that's a, a, a beautiful picture and a great way to finish this episode today before and after grace thanks guys for listening please send us your comments and feedback check us out on facebook if you like um, and i hope that this has blessed you and encourages you to know the lord and make him known be blessed guys take care